Hello, everybody. Welcome to ClapperCast episode 117. If it sounds a bit weird, we're back on Zoom because Elena made a bit of an oopsie this week. Um, but I'm your host, Carson Tamar, joined by the iconic Elena Falls, the iconic Paul Price. How is everyone doing today? I have had but, um, my ups and downs. <laughs> I, re- I really want Elena to tell everyone what caused her <laughs> laptop to be screwed it up was my because- own stupidity and my own optimism so I went to work on Saturday evening and I was like hey I can bring home from stuff some stuff from my restaurant job so I don't have to go to the grocery store so I took a pack of vegan feta cheese and it was sealed so I thought to myself this will be fine in my backpack with my laptop it's a sealed package it's not fine it leaked um and the display on my macbook is fucked up which was i could tolerate that but the main issue is that it fucked up my charging port so now i can't charge my macbook and i brought it to the apple store yesterday morning um and i was like hi i'm stupid can you please fix this for me and they were like totally we need 700 dollars and about two weeks to get it fixed and i was like sick (sighs) thanks so much Yeah, but I got to see um, Lawrence of Arabia in the theaters yesterday, so maybe life isn't so bad. It's fine. So, um, flashback, early pandemic. Um, I sign up to get um, unemployment through their program for freelancers. Very cool, very helpful. However, now... I guess I didn't fill out enough paperwork when they were checking to be like, hey, just wanted to see that you were a freelancer. Um, they have decided that <laughs> um, I need to go to court for this. So by the time this episode releases, there will be like a, you know, what happened. But I literally have to go in. Uh, I, it's over the phone. But I have to go into court for them to decide whether or not I deserved unemployment money. And if it, if they decide no... I don't think they will because this would be insane. Um, I have to pay back all of that money plus like 35% for like fees and interest, which would literally be like my student loans over again, like American student loans. Like we're talking like $65,000. And they're just like, hey, do this quick phone call. It's going to be 15 minutes. And I'm like, uh, but I'm pretty sure. decide whether you committed tax fraud or not. The yeah, fact that I they would do this to a citizen that gave like months of their lives to a court case, really just proving I that really, the American court I, system works. Disgusting. Joe Biden, get on this. Uh, no, no, no. But like, honestly, like, okay, I am a very intelligent person who, hmm. um, no, 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 this is important because like, <laughs> I like filled out all the paperwork correctly and still am having this happen. And I'm thinking about all the people that like did it. Oh, remember, we filled out this paperwork as we were all like pretty sure we were about to die. Um, so <laughs> like they're like looking and they're like, this form is a little weird. And I'm like, sorry, I didn't fill out everything. I think I did. Actually, I think everything's fine. I think what it is, is that um, when they asked for more identification, I didn't send my tax returns again because I thought they already had them. And then when I saw the papers that they're sending to the, like, um, the judge, it was like, oh, that's not in this. It's just very dumb. But anyway, um, yeah, so there's a possibility that uh, I could owe $65,000 next week. Um, I won't. Um, but 
What an iconic arc, Because part of it is that, you know, um, for me, I was, like, thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I actually, and this is specifically lucky, like, outside of the fact that I did actually was a freelancer and I couldn't work during the pandemic. Stupid that even this is a consideration. If you were unemployed, you were probably, like, doing, like, shit work before. It's not like I was just sitting around not working. Anyway, um, I had happened to speak to my future boss like two weeks before the pandemic. Um, so I just have like this really lucky thing where it's like, hey, right before the pandemic, I talked to these people and then now I'm working for them. So clearly, like I did my due diligence. Um, and then outside of that, um, Bo got fixed. Um, my my little puppy dog. Um, except he, it was really cool. He had one testicle upside inside his abdomen. So they had to cut him open and go find it. And I was like, that's horrifying. Um, yeah, I know. He fine. Uh, Yeah, he's fine. He has huge staples all up his abdomen, but like, apparently it was like up by his liver. And I just, (laughs) I don't understand. Like, I don't know dog anatomy, obviously, but that's weird. It's, yeah. Well, okay, so like it's um it happens with children too. Um men. This is just men anatomy. So you're like balls drop, but like sometimes they don't. And for dogs, they're like moving around, so like it, it doesn't drop and then it just like spirals up inside you. Um, so it's like it's semi-common. Like I've had three dogs that have had it happen, but um usually it just adds an extra like two hundred dollars to your bill. So so what I'm hearing he is our birthday boy. present, the Black Obsidian, is not working out. The negativity is uh, still actually, coming. Actually, I think what you did is give me a bunch of negativity. Like, it's bringing it all in. Um, I'm wondering if because I had a lot of Black Schnauzers, um, that negativity was already being given away. And then now you're, like, brought in one that, like, they're, like, just using a circle now. Just There's no filter. Um, but we'll see. Maybe things will get better. It was better last week. (laughs) And let's get to our new releases this week. But first, Alina, right off the bat, going to put you on the spot. Me and Paul kind of slacked a bit this week. We were supposed to review The Gray Man on Netflix, uh, the new Russo Brothers film. And you did it. I'm happy you saw it because me and Paul both slacked on it. So Slackers. You know, I apologize for that. But what did you think of The Gray Man? Is this worth me and Paul checking out? Or are we lucky that we were a little bit lazy this week? You're lucky that you were lazy this week. Like, this is from the Russo brothers. Are we surprised? Like, it's not them that made, like, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame good, right? It was not them at all. So, and plus, like, after the fiasco that was Cherry last year, I don't know why I was disappointed in this. Like, obviously. Um, It's about this assassin guy, kind of, played by Ryan Gosling. And he's, like, a foreign... He's, like, a prisoner. Um, But then, like, some CAA guy played played by Billy Bob Thornton is like, oh, we can use these prisoners to be assassins. Like, this is just... Suicide Squad, but more boring, is it not? <laughs> it sounds um, like it. <laughs> yeah, and so like Ryan Gosling is just like bopping around being an assassin, 
and, and like something goes wrong I can't remember there's like some like file or like key thing that like a thumb drive or whatever that he like takes I don't know it's like something encrypted um and Billy Bob Thornton gets like captured slash kidnapped Billy Bob Thornton's niece is like the little girl from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood she gets kidnapped at one point Chris Evans is there and he's like some evil bad guy that is hired by other CIA people to hunt down Ryan Gosling and that whole like thing um I was confused for a lot of it granted I only like paid half attention because like it was just not good it just felt like really wasted like how are you gonna have Ryan Gosling, Anna de Armas, Billy Bob Thornton, Chris Evans, all these fun people in one movie and make it boring. Like Anna, Anna de Armas does fucking nothing. Not a damn thing. Couldn't tell you anything her character does except have bad bangs. And I know Chris Evans played quite the slime ball in Knives Out, but in this role, when he's playing this like evil villain, I was just not buying it. I'm like, you're supposed to be nice and fun and like I just don't believe you Chris Evans I saw some people on Letterboxd saying that Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans should have switched roles and I think that would have been better but it's not worth your time unfortunately I just don't get how and I've not seen the film so I'm assuming I'm gonna hate it like the Russo mm-hmm. brothers you mentioned a couple of their films in real quick and say Carson how have you not watched two of the four movies we have this week? <laughs> Look, I mistook I mistook my big fish watch watches being one of the two this week for your birthday. So my apologies. <laughs> but like the Russo brothers made The Winter Soldier, which is like, in my opinion, one of the best action films in recent memory. I think the directing there is specifically incredible. Like, I don't know how they've fallen off this hard. I hope this is not cherry bad. <laughs> It's not no. like cherry bad, but it's boring. I like how Paul yeah. didn't see it and he was about to defend. No, it. I watched I watched the first half. I just couldn't see the ending and then I skipped the ending just before this meeting. So I feel like I've seen enough. I like get the vibe. It's just very much like trying to be um born identity. Um, but it's just it's not getting there. Um it's it's so boring. Um but my mom loved it. And I think that that's ultimately what's most important. And I don't mean that as a joke. I mean, literally, the people who are watching these movies are like the Midwest and like Southern families. And if they love it and they'll watch it 30 times, that's what Netflix wants for those viewerships. Not like, you know, they're not wanting Oscars for these kind of movies. These are their bread and butter. That's very true. It just feels like such a waste, a waste of all of those actors and a waste of my time in particular, but I'm happy for everyone else. Yeah. And I think that a lot of it is just like, oh, it's a big star. And like, that's, you know, a couple big stars together and that's enough. Mm-hmm. I am very I mean, that's interested the only reason in why I watched it. Like, this is going to obviously be like a franchise. And I'm just surprised that this is the one that Gosling has decided to do um like he's choosing this over a marvel thing i guess he could do both but this feels very like you know this is your big one Mm because he seems more like a guy who likes his indies yeah it's crazy that ryan gosling hasn't succumbed to the mcu yet i'm sure they want him and himself i'm sure he'll be there (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you want even more ClapperCast content? Yes, we have our weekly episodes, but you can get even more on Patreon. For as low as $1 a month, you can get exclusive commentary tracks and bonus reviews, as well as some more fun content. Yes, you can literally watch movies with us. Uh, me and Alina have watched Sonic the Hedgehog. We have watched Murder Mystery. It is a ton of fun. You can literally watch a movie with us. And we also have bonus reviews. You want to hear our thoughts on Fresh. You want to hear our thoughts on everything, everywhere, all at once. These are reviews that you can only get on Patreon. It is at patreon.com slash clappercastpod. Again, for as low as $1 a month, you can get ClapperCast shoutouts. You can even decide what we review. It is a ton of fun over there on Patreon. And if you are not there, honestly, you're kind of missing out. Be over there at patreon.com slash clappercastpod. Okay, and next up, we have our big feature this week, Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh, Paul, I will let you begin with this. What are your thoughts on Nope? Because I believe you're a pretty big fan. Yeah, I'm the most positive um, of the three of us. And I don't like Get Out. I have to start with that. Like, I just find that movie to be like, oh, like clever, but also a little too, um, I want to say Twilight zone Like, it feels like it could be a 30-minute short and do the same stuff. Um, so that's always like bugged me with that particular movie. I also find the ending to be a little too pat to a little too nice and if you like research there's a reason for that because it was originally a darker ending and so the lead up to it would have made sense it feels like a superhero moment before like a twist but then when they changed it now it just feels like he like you know hits the final power ranking and just all of a sudden can just nerf all these people um so uh when i went in to see us um i was like i don't know i'm not into it um, and then I saw it and I loved it, but I was just not, re- I was one of the few that wasn't excited. So I went into this cautiously optimistic, but then, um, reviewers started being like mixed on it. Not you, Carson. I just mean like real people. Um, and you know, it was like, I was expecting to dislike it and be disappointed. Um, I'm still not the one thing with Jordan Peele is I think that all of his movies, all three of them so far, are all like very clearly fables to me. And so there's a lot of things that'll be like, you know, I'll read a lot of like, well, what about this? Well, what about this? It's like, yeah, but like you you allow crazier directors, um, you know, a Cronenberg or something to have stuff that doesn't make sense. And I think Peel still sits in that world, but because he's so populous, we're like, oh, you know, um, every single thing in this movie needs to make sense. And I don't think they're, su- I think they're supposed to, but I think it's in his brain and it's supposed to be like film scholars sit around and talk about what it could mean. Um, but yeah, I mean, the basic plot of the film is something is eating horses and, uh, Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya are trying to get a picture of it and, um, become famous from it. Uh, and yeah, it's probably his lightest work, but I think it's my second favorite. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of people who are saying on a rewatch, it's becoming their favorite. So I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, uh, I'll let you guys go off and be negative. Well, Alina can go first. I think she's going to be positive. 
Um, yeah, for the most part, I'm positive on it. This is my, Nope is my first Jordan Peele film in the cinemas because when Get Out and Us were coming out, I was too much of a pussy to watch horror movies in theaters. Um, I really liked Us. I watched it at home with my roommate in the other room and I just like screamed about how scared I was to her the entire time. Get Out, I associate with a very traumatizing experience in my life that we don't need to get into, but it's still a good film. So I was looking forward to Nope. Not like super hyped, but like I was excited to see this in a theater. Um, and then once everybody started saying that it's more sci-fi than like horror, I was a little bit disappointed. But I was also like, oh, I'll be okay by myself in the movie theater then. Um, so I sat my little butt down and I watched it and I was like, hmm. It's just one of those movies that just made me go, hmm. I'm not sure how I felt about that. There was a lot of things that I liked about it. And then there's like a lot of things that I felt like didn't work for me. I thought Kiki Palmer was freaking fantastic. Uh, she's just a star, isn't she? Um, Daniel Kaluuya was also freaking great. Um, the guy who plays the cinematographer, such a sexy voice. I feel like I really liked all of the characters. Um, Steven Yeun was really great also. Um, it's honestly, I think for me, I just didn't like the chimpanzee stuff. Like I understand why it's there, but I just didn't like it. I, every time, like, it's like weaved throughout the film. And every time the chimpanzee came back, this like fucking CGI chip, I was like, oh my God, I get it. I don't want to keep seeing this scene over and over again in different angles. Please, for the love of God, can we just go back to the horses and aliens, please? Which is so yes. wild because when you look online, um, there's so many people that are like, that was my favorite scene. That's the scariest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like more it's with you. It's a chimpanzee. Like, I, <laughs> I, I think it's scary. It's, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually am really terrified of all things monkey. Um, They're a little too human for me. Um, But, you know, uh, I wasn't, like, terrified of it. There are some legitimately scary... Well, no, I guess I wasn't scared of any of that because I, like, you kind of know everything's going to be okay for the one character that you know. Um, So it feels like you're a little separated from everything. Um, You're just kind of, like, watching a memory. Um, but I think my favorite one-off scene in that entire movie was when, um, Yun, like, explains this traumatic event by read, uh, by explaining the SNL sketch about it is so funny and so creepy. Um, it's like one of my favorites because it's so clever to have thought of something like that. Um, and then using it to like show like actual like character development um I, I just really liked that particular moment but yeah overall like uh i'm not a fan of the monkey and i hate the shoe i've read what the shoe means still doesn't really make sense to me what does it the mean? Shoe, what does the shoe mean? most people believe that the shoe is supposed to be like either one of two things a little bit of both either it's like the chances are like so minimal that the shoe would actually land perfectly upright and so it's like like everything else in the movie is like one in a million shot one in a million this silly the other thing is um people have said that like it wasn't actually standing up you're watching from his perspective and it was the thing that saved him because he didn't look the monkey in the eye and so he like idolizes the shoe 
both things are not like particularly strong enough for me to have it shown three times. If it was shown I twice, feel like the first one it, makes more sense, but yeah, yeah no, they options. they both like. I mean, because like he definitely is looking at the shoe, and that's why he doesn't get eaten by the monkey. But I just, I'm just not that interested in like that particular line of. I thought it was going to be something a little more alieny, but no. You would think in the alien movie things might more matter about the aliens. Um, I hated this film. I went through the full ray of emotions. I walked out. I said, it's fine. And then I said, mm, maybe I didn't like it. And then it got to the point where I was like, oh, I hate this film. Um, I think it's entertaining. You can't take away Kiki Palmer, Daniel Kaluuya. They're giving amazing performances here. Um, and the jokes work. When it's an entertaining summer blockbuster, really good. I like it. Um, everything story-wise, though, it just builds and builds. And I truly do not care what anyone has to say about, oh, it's the art of the spectacle. Oh, it's making this grand message. This is a shit story that ultimately tries to act like it's being another one of Jordan Peele's mastercrafts. And they weave all these things, the monkey, or the ape, excuse me. They weigh, they have the um, editor, the cinematographer or whatever. And they just have these things come up over and over and over again. And you're sitting there waiting. Oh, naturally, these things are going to matter. It's all going to come together. And then it just never does. Like Stephen Young's character doesn't need to exist all his character exists for is this tiny little thing in the plot to make it work it's like if you're watching jurassic park and they added a 20 minute uh, prologue about john hammond like befriending a tiger you just don't need it i really felt so frustrated by this film just building to what i feel like is nothing um, yes, some of the moments are entertaining. I think it, there was a way this could be a really fun blockbuster. The visual effects are great. Um, it just did not do it for me. It really genuinely quite angered me, actually. Yeah, I totally understand that. But I think for me, um, I don't know. Like, there's so many movies that, uh, and you know, and I kind of said this earlier, but I'm thinking about like uh, Tight Titan, I guess. Is what it was. Teton and like I watched a little bit of that and Raw. And um, like these films that I'm just like, what the fuck is the point of this movie? Like, and no, like, so for me, I'm like, uh, I at least can like, I feel like even if they're not like, he may not, I think he is thinking about all of this, but I like that I can talk it out. It feels very like, you know, um, old Lost, where Lost didn't really make sense, but we sure had fun talking about it. Like, when I got out of the movie, um, oh, here's a weird thing related to this film. So I go with two of my friends, and then two of my other friends decide at the last second to come with. And then we sit down, and two of our other friends are sitting next to us who we did not know were coming. And then I found out later that two other people, not friends, um, we're also in the theater and it's a small theater and there's also like multiple theaters around in this particular area. There's three theaters in uh, the Burbank area and then they're all like with walk in walking distance of each other and they all were showing like three to four screenings of this movie. So the chance that all of us were in there and that's pretty much anyone who could have gone as far as my friend groups is insane. Batshit insane. Um, so yeah, we all walked out and we like, um, yes, I did, Alina. Um, no. I mean, I didn't. 
I didn't interact, but uh, the letterbox told me that he was there. Um, <laughs> um, so at the end of the movie, like we all go and sit, uh, we all go and hang out outside the theater. And every single person had like a different theory for every single thing. And that's like fun. Like we don't really have those anymore. You know, it's like I got out of Thor with my friends the other week and we were like, that sure was a movie. And that was it. And even yeah, like you hated the like, lighthouse, which was, in my opinion, is like the last great example of a film like that. Um, the lighthouse is the worst movie ever made. And I, I'm not talking about that, but it, that is another one where, um, you know, the fucking um, like it's just weird for weird's sake. And I don't feel like if you like, I feel like he drilled Jordan Peele about some stuff. I feel like he has maybe like a couple like thoughts on it. There's a lot of stuff that I feel like if you go in for the lighthouse or something like that, they're just like, oh yeah, it was cool. I liked it. Like is the ultimate reason they did it. And they were like, and it'll make people ask what it is. Um, I do think that there was some editing um, last second with uh, Nope though. I will give you that Carson. I know that someone only said there was one scene changed in the, but there's like a couple things where I'm just like, but I felt like that with us too. I don't know. And get out. Actually, all of them feel like they're a little, uh, a little messed with at the last second. Um, uh, and so like, maybe, you know, do a director's cut. Cause I feel like there is some stuff on the cutting room floor that I'm like missing. But do you guys see that Jesse Plemons was originally supposed to play Steven Yeun's character? Yes. Yes. And it, fits and it, it would have been I so much like better. Yeah. Like, there's just, I really like Steven Yeun. I didn't watch The Walking Dead, but I do really like him. But I just, ever since I heard that, I'm like, man, could you imagine this with Jesse Plemons? Like, it just, that character, like, just suits him so well. It's also really frustrating. Like for me, I don't understand why they swapped the character like that and then picked someone who doesn't even embody the same kind of things as Jesse Plemons. You could find an actor who like is a good one-to-one, but like choosing someone who's completely different. Like I like what Steven's doing in this, but I feel like it's the wrong energy for what comes later. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that's like a big problem. Um, also, I, I think feel he's like, like he needs to be a bit more like cult leadery. See, I was going to say, I thought he was a little bit more washed up hack, kind of like he's doing yeah. this because like, you know, he's still living out the glory days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he he like he's definitely playing this more like um, uh, strength than uh, mm-hmm. I think needed to be in there um but you know it's it's still a great performance um yeah i don't know i'm very curious to see um what peel does moving forward um because this felt to me like a shift to where maybe we're not getting as many uh r-rated movies i think we're gonna see a little bit of a spielberg twist um with peel moving forward where he goes to like maybe even like a pg-13 movie um, which I'm fine with, you know, 
Cool. Well, that's going to do it already for the new releases this week. Not a ton to get into, but that's okay. Because, Paul, it's the second week of your birthday celebration. It never ends, apparently. You get two weeks. Um, you don't even watch away. the movies, so... Hey, <laughs> I watch enough. Um, which is funny, because um, the movie that you didn't watch, and I'm sure you will this week, um, is... Uh, probably the one that I think you would like the most. Um, so yeah, the uh, last week was like movies that I think um, are really great and didn't get um, the right recognition like culturally and awards-wise when they came out. Um, this one is movies that are super fun and are kind of like forgotten. Um, so the two movies are Strictly Ballroom and Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um, we'll start with Drop Dead Gorgeous. Well, first because... marathon, can I start with Big Fish? Just very oh, yeah. quickly. I just it. Very quickly. Very much so my shit. As someone with father issues um, who likes that kind of wacky blend of fiction and uh, like nonfiction, I guess. I don't know the word for it, I guess. Um, this was very my shit. I thought this was like the best recommendation you maybe have ever given. It's like one of my new favorite films. Visually just incredible. So fun but also so emotionally like devastating at times. It's great. It was lovely. Yeah, no, um, I, I love that film for so many reasons. And like, it's so interesting because that one builds with each rewatch. Um, yeah. Cause it, I mean, it is one of my favorite films as well. Um, obviously that's why I picked it, but yeah. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, flipping over drop dude. Gorgeous is, a weirdly stacked cast for a movie you've never heard of. Um, it's Kirsten Dunst, Kirstie Alley, uh, Denise Richards, um, Amy Adams, Brittany Murphy. Like, you just go through this list and it's like, oh, uh, Allison Janney and Ellen Barkin. Huge cast. Um, and it's about a... Um, I guess it, the easiest way to say it is it's about a beauty pageant um, that's being filmed by this crew because it's the 50th year. And so they chose this random town. Um, and uh, it's very competitive and things start happening to the contestants. And it's like a dark comedy, but it's not nearly as dark as it feels like when you explain it. But it also is really dark. Um, Elena, I'm curious what you thought. I freaking loved Drop Dead Gorgeous. I hadn't heard of this before, and I don't know why, because this seems like something that I would have watched in high school as, like, a teenage girl. Like, I enjoyed all that shit, like, Clueless, Mean Girls, Miss Congeniality, very much in that realm, and I had never even heard of Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um, like, and it's freaking fantastic. It's so funny. And it's really nice seeing like all of that cast together. They all worked so freaking well together. And the mockumentary like vibes of it all. I freaking love a mockumentary moment. And I think this is like the almost perfect mockumentary. Like it's just, it's so funny. And the stakes are feel like very high for it just being like uh, a Minnesota beauty pageant. Um, and then like, random murders like framed as like accidents start happening 
I just had a freaking great time with it. It's a brilliant film and it deserves way more recognition than it gets. Yeah, no, what's crazy too, um, for a while this was on HBO and Hulu and everything. It is currently not able to be legally streamed anywhere. Um, you can't even like rent it off like YouTube or something. Um, at least in the US. I um <laughs> I had a friend over and I was like, okay, so we're gonna watch this for the podcast. She's like, Yeah, I'm down. And then we proceed to like spend the next hour looking for it. And then I was like, okay, fine. We're gonna um <laughs> We're just going to, like, pull it from the internet. But um, because I was so annoyed that I would not be able to show this to other people, I grabbed the Blu-ray at the same time. So that arrived today. Uh, (laughs) So now I'll have it when I tell people about it. But it's, like, so weird. Because, yeah, this movie's not just, like, kind of gone. It's, like, disappearing from the internet. Um, Which is so wild in 2022. Like, that a movie that, like, has a following is like oh yeah that's nowhere literally i watched (laughs) it on uk amazon prime with my vpn (laughs) it was the only (laughs) way i could find it like yeah it's wild uh the other film that carson did uh i believe watch watched um, it early don't worry i got that in weeks ago Uh, was Strictly Ballroom, which is uh, Baz Luhrmann. And it's the least bazzy of all the movies. Also another mockumentary for about five minutes. Um, And yeah, no, I uh, absolutely love this movie. Um, It's so quotable. It's so iconic. Um, And it's really kind of just like one of the better 90s romances. Um, Curious what you guys thought. You said the word, Uh, iconic. And that's exactly what this film is. It doesn't work because it's so funny necessarily, but it also doesn't work because it takes itself so seriously. It works because it blends those two to where it's consistently giving these characters like genuine emotion, these scenes, genuine stakes with this amazing dancing, but it's also just so tongue in cheek and it just obviously knows what it's doing. I mean, it's Baz operating on that very incredibly high level of blending those two identities that we've seen throughout his career. I love it. I thought it was great. I don't think it says like crafted or as good as Moulin Rouge, for example, um, but it's it's hella good. It is really fun to see Baz's first feature. I do wish he had continued with the mockumentary stuff because I watched this after I watched Trapped Dead Gorgeous and like again fabulous mockumentary and then i popped on strictly ballroom literally right after and i was like oh my god am i getting two mockumentaries i did not i got one and five minutes of another one and i really liked that five minutes it was funny hearing like all of his like other like i don't know colleagues in the ballroom dance studio have like a little mockumentary interview i don't know and it just like dropped off and i was like I missed that was fun, Baz. We should we should go back to that. Why did we drop it? Um it's, anyway. It's so weird when you're watching the movie because even like after you've seen it a few times, you're like, oh, you'll do the opposite. You're like, oh, I forget the starts of the mockumentary. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was and it's so it intensive too. Yeah. Yeah. But it is really fun. I really like again, I like how high stakes it is for this being like amateur ballroom dancing. I was like, yes, I 
fully am on board and I want to see these two bitches like freaking tap dance it up at the Pan Pacific Grand Prix or whatever the fuck it's called. I liked that it. Was it was a fun perfect. time. <laughs> see, it's strictly Mario just stays with you. I really liked it. I thought the couple was cute. Um, I didn't like it as much as you two. And I think it's because I watched it right after Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy double feature. Also, I probably would have flopped up. Um, Not to be I... careful, but this also does have like a little bit of a gay energy, I would say. And you are a straight woman, so I see it. That's oh, true. I, I was like, no, I'm not I'm buying out. this guy as a leading man. There's something um, too soft about him. <laughs> um, there are so many lines in this movie uh, that I like remember um and none of them are usable which is the funniest part it's not like it's a movie that you can like quote in like the traditional sense um you're quoting it strictly for like um you know talking about um strictly ballroom like as a little kid i used to always say um I wanted to hear that Pam Short broke both her legs and I want to dance with you. <laughs> and um, like as a little kid, I would say all the time, people would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And anyway, that's the kind of movies that I was watching when I was like five. Um, yeah, I think I watched this movie like 300 times. All of these movies probably have watched over a dozen times, probably in the 20s or 30s or more. Um. So yeah, no, I, I love this movie. And I think it's also, all of them, I think, get better with each rewatch. Um, and I think that they all deserve more love. Strictly Ballroom, for some reason, is on a thousand and one movies to see before you die. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, that's going to do it for our reviews this week. A quick week in and out. You'll love to see it. Let's end this off with our recommendations for the week. I will start because I've not seen a ton of great stuff in the past couple weeks, but I was impressed by Jennifer Lopez halftime. I think that's the full title. Her Netflix documentary. Um, it follows her as she's preparing for the Super Bowl and agrees to do the Super Bowl and also her Oscar campaign at the time. I will say it's weird that this released like now. There's really no reason this couldn't have been released like August 2020. Um, but as far as like honest looks at what it's like to be in those positions. I think it does a very good job showing, you know, the talents of Jennifer Lopez and her skills and what she goes through, but also like the bullshit she still has to deal with. Seeing her and Shakira like openly shit on what they have to do for the Super Bowl as far as time-wise and stuff, like it's pretty bold. You don't normally see films like attack the Oscars or attack the Super Bowl like this when it's coming from a celebrity just due to PR purposes. But there was like an honesty here and an anchor I really liked. I liked seeing that. I agree. Like, I like seeing her be like, oh, it's bullshit. I didn't get nominated. It's bullshit that I only have four minutes at the Super Bowl. Because like, yeah, it really is. Um, so I don't know. I was really here for this documentary. Um, I would highly recommend anyone checks it out. It's on Netflix. It's quite good. If you're a JLo fan. Why not? Uh, sorry, a Jay Affleck fan. Let's be clear. But I was about to say, how are we feeling about Jennifer Lopez changing her name? I like, you know it's like only in her personal life, but still. I wish she. I wish she did like Jennifer Lopez Affleck or something like that. Like I don't know. I think to get rid of the L, the Lopez entirely, like it's iconic. You know, it's J Lo. Yeah. So what is she? J F. <laughs> Jaff. 
Yes. <laughs> it works. Like, yeah, I'm very excited they're finally married, though. I hope it doesn't end in disaster this time. <laughs> we'll see. Um, my recommendation for the week um, is this film called Incantation. Um, it's on Netflix. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it's so scary. It is, but it's also a little slow and a little boring. Um, but it is um, a found footage horror film um, that is interactive a little bit. Um, something like it has you play some little games and like some stuff to get you into like the mindset. Um, you know how a lot of people say like, oh, this movie has to be seen in a theater with a bunch of people. This is like the exact opposite movie. Um, so I watched it over at a friend's house. The lights were on. We were eating five guys. We were a couple drinks in. And like, it definitely was scary, but it wasn't hitting the right vibe. This is definitely like, oh, it's midnight. I have two hours. I'm going to go put on the scary movie and sit under the covers and be terrified. Um, at that point, I think I would have like, you know, pissed my pants at certain points. Um, it's a super scary little movie. Um, but yeah, definitely be in the right frame of mind for it. But some of the twists and some of the uh, uses of film are really cool. But the story is, uh, you know, it's another one of those, the protagonist is as dumb as a box of rocks. And you're like, please, God, just do one thing correct. <laughs> I've seen nonstop people talking about it on TikTok. So I do want to watch it um and you yeah, recommended no, it, it to me but now hearing that it's scary i don't know why you would recommend it because i'm a pussy but that's okay um, <laughs> yeah no it has some real good jump scares actually like good ones i was like um it also has probably one of the grossest things i've seen in a while um I'm and not it's more implied <laughs> oh no You're yeah i think really you would like it Alina. Not, no 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 um, maybe maybe I'll put it on the uh, road to Halloween, and then Elena will just have to watch it and be like, <laughs> Are there "Remember scary this faces? moment." No. Okay, maybe I'll be fine. Well, my my no. recommendation. Um, okay, no, I don't I don't want to watch it. You have you hesitated. <laughs> okay. My recommendation for the week is my donkey, my lover, and I finally got to watch it. I've been wanting to watch this movie for two years, ever since the two of you um, saw this at, like, AFI Fest in, like, 2020, and then it just, like, didn't come out, and I was like, when is this donkey movie coming out? I know I'm going to love it. It's a donkey. Um I love donkeys. They're amazing little farm animals. They're so cute. And then, freaking, here we are. Two years later, it's finally coming out. It's out in theaters. My local indie cinema is playing it. I've seen people lining up for it. The hype is real for Patrick the Donkey. People have been lining up for that movie and this new Leonard Cohen documentary, which I haven't seen yet. But I feel like that shows the true taste of the citizens of Ottawa. Um, my donkey, my lover, and I, it's a French film. And so this uh, school teacher named Antoinette, who's a literal psychopath, she, <laughs> she is like having an affair with one of her students' fathers, who's like obviously like married, like he has a wife, 
and then like his daughter goes to like this woman's like class and whatever like and then they're chatting and the her lover the married father is like yeah I'm taking my family on this fucking hike through um this region in France I don't know how to pronounce it I will not be pronouncing it because I've offended French people enough on this podcast so and then Antoinette hears this and she's like I'm gonna surprise him because we're in love and he's gonna be freaking stoked that I surprised him on this trip and then so she follows him into this freaking hiking region in France on this like seven day backpack hiking longest frick journey with a donkey um but like she doesn't know all the details of like where her lover and his family are like going so she was like ends up by herself not by herself with Patrick the donkey a lot and the movie ends up being about her like finding herself with the help of little Patrick the donkey and Patrick the donkey is a fucking star like every scene he was in he stole it from those humans and I know I feel like I'm assuming Patrick was played by multiple donkeys but all of those donkeys were incredible and I had such a lovely time with the film it's very cute so I recommend and it's playing in theaters so you don't have an excuse Yes, absolutely. I hope there's someone who watched, listened to our AFI Fest um, episode that year and like are now being like, oh yeah, I remember that movie. And then they go see it because it's great. The donkey's mm-hmm. cute. Will it be getting a supporting actor nom for our Clapper cast awards that we don't do, but maybe we should do? I would say so. So we'll see. Um, that's going to do it this week on ClapperCast. Where can we find everyone on social media, Alina? I am at Delina Folds on Twitter, Letterboxd, and sometimes Instagram. Uh, not right now, though, because my computer's broken. <laughs> Paul? At Price Like Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews. Letterbox just Carson Tamar. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and supporting the show. If you want to write us an email, you can email us at clappercast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at clapperpodcast. You can also connect to us there. If you'd like to financially support the show for as little as $1 a month, you can go to our, our Patreon Uh, We have commentary tracks, we have exclusive movie reviews, a ton of great stuff you can get over there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye.